Good morning to everyone joining us online. Look, I'm going to miss seeing you face to face. So I am sending you a virtual hug right now. Hope you can feel the love. Look, we're into our eighth week of the series Faith Over Fear. And what a timely series this has been. And I trust that you've been really blessed during this time and that you are growing in your faith. Now, I can't imagine any Christian that wouldn't want to have mastery over their fears, right? And that you would want to be continually walking in faith. But if you're like me, you seem to overcome one fear challenge and then around the corner, there seems another fear hurdle to get over. And why is it that we can overcome fear in one area, but yet there seems to be another struggle or challenge just around the corner? You know, praise God for those victories and then praise him again. And yet another fear hurdle seems to come across our path. But, you know, one thing is for certain that we have an enemy and he does not want us to overcome our fears, that he is trying to push back in that area. But we have God on our side. Fear holds us back. But with faith and allowing God to work in and through us, we are a force to be reckoned with. A faith-filled Christian is a massive threat to the enemy. And it's no wonder that he wants to keep us bound in fear and not be free. And the Apostle Peter tells us to be alert, that our enemy is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So this is no surprise to God. So he's encouraging us through his word. He's weaving throughout the Old and the New Testament words of encouragement to fear not that we can overcome. And here's 33 verses. This is not an exhaustive list about fear and worry. These are encouragement as we read and meditate upon our word to overcome our fears and our worries. So what is fear? I know, a basic question, right? Fear, an unpleasant emotion caused by the threat of danger, pain or harm. Unpleasant, really? Like I kind of wouldn't put the word unpleasant in fear in the same sentence. Like when I think of unpleasant, I think of like eating Brussels sprouts. So there are so many things that we can be afraid of like heights or the dark or closed in spaces. There's all these phobias and there's social phobias. Jono mentioned a couple of weeks ago, FOMO, fear of missing out. You know, a bit of trivia here. In 2013, that word was actually added to the dictionary. Can you believe that? It's a real word, FOMO. For in each individual, fears can be so varied and it really is dependent on our age or the country that we grew up in, the demographics, our life experiences and our circumstances. It's so varied, but some fears are a reality. I mean, imagine living in a country where you can be put in jail for your faith or worse still, you can actually be persecuted for your faith. People that have to hide meeting together they're actually taking a risk by even having the Bible. Those fears are reality. But you know, most fears don't come to pass. They just mess with your heads. You know, I don't know about your household, but we never did run out of toilet paper. 
We couldn't get our favourite brand, I must say, and it does make a difference, just saying. I read in an article, The Best Life Health, and the headline was, new study shows 91% of fears don't come true. Your worries and your reality are two very different things. Now, this research is quite recent. It was done last year, and it was done in the Department of Psychology at the University of Pennsylvania. And they analysed patients, and they recorded these patients, their worries, and they monitored their worries over 30 days to see actually which fears would come to fruition. Now, let me read three sentences from that article for you. It said the findings showed that 91.4% of predicted worries did not come true for participants. In fact, the most common amount of untrue worries per person was 100%. That's right, not a single worry came true in the month-long study for many of the participants. Isn't that amazing? Many of you have, may have heard the acronym for fear before, false evidence appearing real. We get ourselves all wound up because of fear that appears real, but in fact, it's a fake. It's nothing but a counterfeit. The enemy is an accuser and a deceiver, and he is the one who stirs up the fear. You know, the what ifs. We can talk ourselves out of so many things because of what ifs, or we can talk ourselves into total despair because of the what ifs. Now, I'm going to share a secret with you. It's between you, me, and a current affair. Want to hear it? Let's come a little bit closer. Birds. Yep, you heard right, birds. When I was a kid, I was terrified of birds. Now, I'm not sure how that started, but I never was quite the same after I watched that Alfred Hitchcock movie, The Birds. Ooh, just flashback right then. I reckon I was about 10 when I watched that stupid movie. But seriously, I developed this irrational fear about birds after watching that movie. Now, the funny thing is, Nick, and for those of you who don't know my husband, he has loved birds since he was a kid. Funny that, like I was scared of them. And he loved birds as a kid, had a real passion for them. And just before we started going out, he thought he'd impress me and surprise me by buying me two zebra finches. Yep, it was an impression, all right. The worst gift that he could give me, seriously. The poor guy was devastated when he found out that not only was I scared of birds, but I didn't like them. But of course I lied at first, didn't I? Like I wanted to make an impression on this cute guy and I was like, oh yay, birds. But I tell you what, I couldn't keep up the facade. I caved and I had to let him know. But, you know, praise God, I had my very own bird whisperer and 90% of my fear is overcome now. And there's a picture of me and I, yep, that's me. I think we're gonna see it holding. It is a crested hawk. It's on my arm. Uh, never gonna do that again. Anyway, moving right along, fear. Let's talk about faith. What does the Bible say about faith? A lot. Hebrews 11.1 1 gives us the perfect definition. Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for 
and the assurance about what we do not see. And I love the version in the Message Bible. Let me read it to you. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, this firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living, it's our handle on what we cannot see. And it goes on into verse two. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors, set them above the crowd. Now, these are the big heroes of faith like Moses and David and Noah and Sarah and Rahab. Go the girls. Now, everyone has some kind of faith in some way, shape or form. You know, faith being a complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Even atheists have faith. They have faith to believe there is no God. I mean, to me, that takes incredible faith. The Big Bang Theory, yeah, just don't get that. But it is impossible to be a Christian and not to have faith because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, we cannot be saved. Without faith, the Christian life cannot be what God intends it to be. The Christian life is about being faith-filled, pleasing God. Well, when we're fearful, that's all about pleasing the enemy. But living the faith-filled life, in my experience, this is a journey. This is a lifelong journey to grow in, to become stronger in this area. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we read about King Jehoshaphat. Now, I don't have time to go into the whole story. I encourage you to read your Bibles to read that story. But I'm going to give you an overview and then I'm going to drill down on a couple of key verses that really stood out to me. Now, this is the situation. The Moabites and the Ammonites came to make war against Jehoshaphat. And the Bible says that a vast army was against him. And when he heard this news, he was terrified. Now, my interpretation of terrified is fear on steroids. So he was really terrified and he begged the Lord for guidance. He orders everybody over Judah to come and gather and meet with him. And he declares a fast. So he has all the people from Judah coming to seek the Lord. And he prays this most incredible prayer. And his prayer has several essential ingredients. And you can read his prayer from verses 5 to 12. But those essential ingredients include that he committed the situation to God, acknowledging that God could save the nation. He sought God's favour because his people were God's people. He acknowledged God's sovereignty over the situation. And he praised God's glory and he took comfort in his promises and he professed complete dependence on almighty God for deliverance. Now, there's so much in there that we can learn from in the times that we're faced with crisis, in those times where we're so fearful. He sought the Lord and he praised God. He didn't run and hide. He took his fears straight to God. Now, in verse 12 of his prayer, he says, for we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. How many times have you felt, Lord, I've got nothing. 
I've got nothing to fight this, Lord. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. In the crowd, after he finished that prayer, there's Jehaziel. And the spirit of the Lord came upon him. And Jehaziel says, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Hallelujah. What an encouragement that was. As Jehoshaphat pleads to God, he calls this fast. He says he doesn't know what to do, but his eyes are on God. And then there is a response from someone in the crowd who says, don't worry, God has got your back. You don't have to fight this. God's got this. And I don't have time to go into the rest of the story, but I know it ends well. Jehoshaphat sends men out the front. He appoints them to sing praises to God, to worship God. And God sets ambushes on that, uh, the men of Ammon and Moab and they get defeated through prayer and praise. How amazing is that? Now that is faith. That is heavy duty faith right there. Jehoshaphat said, I don't know what to do. What's your, I don't know what to do. Are you able to say like Jehoshaphat, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. I want you to hold that thought while I pop in to the New Testament. I want to share with you one of the stories where the disciples felt fearful and how we can relate to that today. It's a story many of you are familiar with where Jesus calms the storm. And we can read the account of this in Matthew, Mark and Luke. So here we have Jesus and the disciples. They're not long out to sea and the big storm is coming, waves, big waves, and the boat is filling with water. Where's Jesus? He's sleeping. And I love how the Bible says that he's at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. It kind of makes him sound like even oh so more comfortable. There he is, he's sleeping. The disciples are freaking out. They wake him up, they're actually shouting. They're shouting at Jesus and they say, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? It's like, Jesus, really? Do you have zero care factor right now? And so they're freaking out, but I can actually relate to the disciples because not only do I get incredibly seasick, but I am not a strong swimmer. So I would have been the same as them. Now remember, some of these disciples were experienced fishermen and they were scared. So I would have had no hope. They're terrified. How does Jesus respond after he's woken up? Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm in a deep sleep and I get woken up, I'm cranky pants. But how does Jesus respond? He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly, the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Wow. Imagine being there to witness that. But what does Jesus say to the disciples after he rebukes them? Now, I'm sure they would have loved him to say, Oh, fellas, I am so sorry. I can't believe I fell asleep in the boat. I left you. You must have been terrified. I'm really sorry, guys. Come here, group hug, group hug. Uh, yeah, no, Jesus doesn't do that. He says, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? 
And the amplified version says, do you still have no faith and confidence in me? Ouch. But yeah, well, Jesus, I kind of wouldn't put it like that. But now I think about it, actually, no, in that situation, I don't have faith and confidence in you. I was freaking out. Did you see the waves? Did you see the water? We were going to die. I find that verse personally challenging. You know, the disciples walked with Jesus. They saw his miracles. They witnessed his healings. They heard him speak with such authority and wisdom. But they underestimated him and they did not see that his power applied to their very own situation. Here we have Jesus saying to them, do you still have no faith? Do we, like the disciples, underestimate his power to handle a crisis in our own lives? I wonder if King Jehoshaphat was there. I know he was Old Testament, but just, let's just say that he was there on the boat in the New Testament with Jesus. I wonder if he would have said, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you, Jesus. One can only speculate. So, if we're not careful, we could get really down on ourselves for not always being 100% fear-proof. And I would say that maybe you're thinking along the lines like, you know, I've been a Christian so long. Why am I not mastering fear over this, Jesus? Why? And I guess if you were 100% fear-proof in all circumstances and situations, you, number one, I would love to meet you. That would be awesome. But if we were always 100% fear-proof, would we always be 100% reliant on God or on ourselves? You know, God knows that we're going to face fear. He knows what we're going to go through. And that's why he wants to encourage us through his word. He wants us to overcome our fears. I heard Joyce Meyer years ago say, do it afraid. And I love that. And it really stuck with me. And I often will say to myself, you know, how many things would have I missed out on if I didn't just do it afraid? But to do it afraid meant that I had to step out in faith. And stepping out in faith is, is fear, faith over fear in itself. In my daily devotional a few weeks ago, it talked about stepping out. And in the reading, the following question was put forward to think about. The question was, what is it that produces the most fear in me, especially when I think of leaving it behind and stepping out in faith? The context was Peter stepping out of the boat and walking on water. So what fear is keeping you from stepping out? Is it fear of criticism? Fear of being judged, fear of lack, fear of people. You know, every time that we step out of our comfort zone, we are likely to experience some fear. Fear wants to hold you back, but with faith in God, you can soar like an eagle. Can I have the worship team come back up, please? You know, and I already mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, you know, it's the great hall of faith. There are 16 names mentioned in the great hall of faith. 
Do you think all of them were 100% fear-proof? I think not. Let me name just three of them. Gideon, on and on in Judges chapter 6, Gideon questioned, doubted and inquired of God in fear. Moses, when Pharaoh found out that Moses had uh, killed a man, he did a runner. He was panicking. He fled to the desert for 40 years until fear faced him again. And God turned up through a burning bush and he said, Moses, I want you to rescue my people, the Israelites from Egypt. And he was packing it. He was scared. And he made excuse after excuse not to do that. Then we have David. David was afraid because Saul was after him. At one point, Saul sent out 3,000 men to get David. That'd be pretty scary. But we can read about David's fear in the Psalms. He shares and expresses the fears that he had. In Psalm 56, David asked God to be merciful to him because of his enemies. His enemies were in hot pursuit, the word says, for David. Then David says in verses 3 or 4 of Psalm 56, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise. In God, I trust and I'm not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Isn't this beautiful? He's not denying that he's fearful, but he's saying, when I am afraid, I'm going to put my trust in you. And what an encouragement that is to us today, this morning, that when we're afraid, we can put our trust in God. You see, fear and trust in God, they cannot coexist. One has to master the other. But as we build up our faith and look to him, our faith over fear, then we can move those mountains in God. He put his hope in God's word. He praised God's word. And he said, then I'm not afraid. What can people do to me? If God is for you, who can be against you? You know, we're all going to face fear at certain times in our lives, but we'll never have to face it alone. I don't know about you, but I want whatever God has for me and I want to embrace it wholeheartedly. And that's why I made up a new word, made it up last Sunday, FOMOOG. Yep, F-O-M-O-O-G, FOMOOG, yeah? Fear of missing out on God. I don't want to miss out on what God has for me because of fear. And I don't want you to miss out either. FOMOOG. You know, just because you have fear doesn't mean fear has to have you. God has given you a destiny and the greatest enemy of your destiny is fear. I want you to be encouraged this morning, wherever you are right now, where you're listening from, God knows what you're going through. He knows the fears that you have had. They've been like a on your back year after year and you're just sick of it. You're tired of it. And God says, come, come to me. Do not be afraid. Do not be troubled. In him, you will find peace and rest. 
Let me pray for you this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you that you are Lord God Almighty. You are the creator of the heavens and the earth. Lord, that you understand us, Father, and you are interested in every intricate detail of our lives, Lord God. And I just pray right now for all those who are listening to this message, Father, those who are faced with fears, Lord, those who are faced with crisis. And I just come against that fear now in the name of Jesus. And I just loose your faith that faith will rise up, Lord God, into the hearts and lives of people right now in your name. Father, I think of those people who have had a bad report medically and are facing a tough road. And Lord, I come against those fears and those anxieties that they are coming against now. And I pray, Lord God, and I loose your peace over their situations and I speak healing into their lives, Father. Lord, I pray for everybody else who is facing fear, whether it's physical, spiritual or emotional, Lord. I pray that chains will be broken this morning in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that you will move powerfully, that you will move supernaturally, Lord God, in the hearts and lives of people today. And I ask this in your most mighty and precious and glorious name on high. Amen. God bless you.